From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy. Visit the dot consulting dot co. Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Welcome to Coding the Future. I am so excited to have you here for another show. Coding the Future is an education-based show to give information and action tips to working adults to guide them to a new level of tech savvy through leveraging your own skill set. Do we share the inside scoop on tech trends, explain how to leverage current technology in your career, and explore how your talents can be the key to your tech success? I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, an educator, technologist, entrepreneur, mom of two boys, lover of all things coffee and wine, and an avid list maker and lifelong learner. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Coding the Future. This is a little bit of a different episode for me. I'm actually recording the intro separate from when I actually did my interview. This is, um, again, continuing to learn and grow as I navigate this awesome opportunity to be able to share my passion and love with you and the Voice America Network. Today is a really great honor. Um, We have the CEO and founder of Hint Inc., Kara Golden, and Kara is really an amazing influence and role model for entrepreneurs coming up uh, now in this particular era. I tend to fangirl a little bit over her during the interview, mostly because I have found her approach so approachable. And I could see myself in many of the stories and uh, experiences that she had, not only in her career, but as a mother, as an entrepreneur, as someone growing in an industry that isn't necessarily um, open to new and innovative products. She really broke barriers in the beverage industry and really did so because she had a passion to help others with their health and really find an unsweetened beverage that individuals could drink and also feel healthy, but have a little bit of flavor to it. So my conversation today with Kara is really fantastic. And as I said, I fangirl just a little bit over her and her story. But I want you to listen to all the pieces that she recommends. Uh, Listen to her stories. Listen to how she grew Hint, how she followed her passion, how she was undaunted by her competitors. And if she heard the word no or possibly, she actually thought "Hmm, that could be a yes. And what she always heard is possibly as a yes. And how she really followed her curiosity. That is really inspiring to me and to those of us that are continuing to grow. I have been working to grow my business in the world of education and computer science. And computer science is often misunderstood. 
And so I can relate to her when she was having conversations with saying, well, this is not what people want. Well, actually, there were a lot of people that wanted an unsweetened beverage, want something that was healthy, that didn't have a lot of sugar, me included. I'm not a big sugar person. Now give me a bag of potato chips and I'm in my Flynn. But sugar is not necessarily my jam. And the same thing happens with computer science. Often people assume that it's all focused around coding. And coding is a huge, huge aspect of computer science. But there's other elements, including data and design and infrastructure, which I've talked about in Finding Your Tech Genius. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back to the very first episode of Coding the Future and you will listen to Finding Your Tech Genius. All right, get ready for an amazing conversation with Kara Golden. By the way, I'm recording this episode when I was at a golf tournament um, and I'm sitting in the woods, which is pretty hilarious, but I used my technology of a hotspot because I wasn't going to miss this opportunity to talk to Kara. So enjoy. Remember to follow us at Coding the Future on the Voice America Network and any of your podcast apps. Follow me at Dottie Rose LLC on Twitter, and you can find me on LinkedIn at Sharon Torrance Jones. Thank you, everybody, and enjoy this conversation with Kara Golden. Welcome, Kara, to Coding the Future. Thank you so much for joining me. I Before we started recording here, I was telling you that I, I didn't sleep last night. I was so excited to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. It's really um, an honor to speak with a woman who has not only paved the way for entrepreneurs like myself, but really for lack of a better word, I, like, I feel like I, I imagine you like with a machete, just, just knocking down the walls, being undaunted, and really following your gut. That is the piece about you that I'm so honored um, and appreciate. The other piece that I didn't mention in our as we before we started recording is I um, I knew about you, but I am also a Kappa Kappa Gamma, and I was a Kappa in Chapel Hill. And your story came across in one of our magazines called The Key. And I was flipping through and I thought, oh my gosh, she was a Kappa. That is so oh, that's cool. So, that's so great. And we and, have another thing in, as you're saying this, my daughter just got into Chapel Hill. She's going to graduate school there. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. So it's, I'm very excited. So. Well, come on over here to the East Coast, Carrie. It's amazing. <laughs> She's very excited. It's such a beautiful campus. It and really is. Yeah, it she's really is. Very what is she going to be working on um, for her master's degree? Education. So she's, um, it, yeah, so she's, re she's really, really excited. Um, actually, probably special education. So mm -hmm. she's um, been very, very interested in sort of how do we use technology and tools to actually evaluate and help individual students develop plans in order yes. to um, be able to learn uh, the right way and be successful. So she's very excited and Chapel Hill has a great program. So she's yes, really excited. Um, that is my heart. That's my alma mater. And um, my, um, she'll love it. it. It has a wonderful program and the innovation that's happening now in the School of Education around technology artificial intelligence and machine learning and emerging technologies, it's incredible. I have been so impressed. We actually, um, I run a nonprofit called the Dottie Rose Foundation and we just hired someone from the School of Education to come help us run our summer programs. And 
he is actually a boy. Normally I, I'm focused on mostly girls, but he's coming. <laughs> he's amazing. And he's coming to help us uh, actually put more emerging technologies into the nonprofit uh, world work that we're I love doing. It. But yeah, it's amazing. But well, Kara, I am, as I said, I'm going to fangirl, but um, I'd like for you to tell our listeners, for those that don't know, the amazing story of Kara is the founder and CEO of Hint, Inc., which is a water company, but I'm going to let her do the explaining because I'm not going to do it justice. I am a huge fan. I drink it regularly and also have merged into using um, your deodorant and the sunscreen. I love the sunscreen. My kids love the sunscreen. And so could you tell us a little bit about Hint and a little bit just that story around how you've started this company that now rivals any large beverage company that you could name drop? Oh, thank you. Well, I started the company at just almost 16 years ago now, and I really call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I didn't know even when I was going to college that I would become an entrepreneur. I mean, people didn't talk about being an entrepreneur. There were no classes around entrepreneurship, right? And, right. and so I was, um, I was a journalism major. I, I, went to, I went to school in Arizona at Arizona State University and left uh, to go and try and be a journalist. And I would look in the mastheads of the magazines and see that they were all based in New York. So that's how I determined. That was where I was guided, those were the steps in order to know, oh, okay, the magazines that I like are really the ones that are in New York. So I'll go to New York. And so uh, there's a lot in my book around how I actually got there. And then um, that ended up uh, leading to not just magazines, but then this new thing called CNN was starting. It would, I think today be termed a late stage startup and went there. It was very, very exciting. A lot of chaos. I learned a lot about culture going from time that was very old school and buttoned up to this crazy environment with, you know, this guy, Ted Turner running around in cowboy boots and a wow. suit. I had never seen that even growing up in Arizona. Yeah. And, uh, and then I moved to the Bay Area where I got my first taste of tech and startups. And I didn't moved there thinking that that was what was going to happen. But instead, I had followed a guy, Steve Jobs, who I had found out who developed my favorite computer that I had when I was in college. It was pretty. It was had a little apple on it. It actually mm -hmm. allowed me to get off of my typewriter and, uh, and write a paper for my journalism classes that I didn't have to put white out in the machine and screw mm -hmm. up all my keys. I mean, all of this stuff was going on back then. And, uh, and so when I moved to Silicon Valley, I didn't know exactly how I would get a role at Apple where Steve was, but instead I had heard about a little startup that had spun out of Apple. And I thought, nah, it's, it's interesting too. They're doing CD-ROM shopping. Anyway, ended up cold calling this group uh, got an interview and ended up taking a job in 
probably one of the most chaotic environments that I ever saw in my life prior to that moment where it was like five guys, a lot of old pizza boxes around the office in an office. Um, They weren't in a garage, but it was pretty darn close. And what I realized was that progress was getting done because everybody was required, no matter what your level was, no matter what your, um, your education experience, you had a PhD or you were you were just invited to come in to contribute and um, incredible environment actually and then uh, we were acquired by a company called America Online they were one of our investors I was asked to run this button called shopping which nobody really thought was going to happen so many stories even stories that got cut from the book from you know those days of meeting with uh, this guy up in Seattle doing a tiny little bookstore. His name's Jeff Bezos. Where he wouldn't oh meet God. with me unless I agreed to help him, like put a Home Depot bookshelf together, and and so I'm you know oh putting tubes together with Jeff. And it, I mean it's just crazy. You look back on that time, and you don't you know we didn't realize how much history was being made. And I think that that's something that I share with so many people. And so many people have reached out to me too, who sort of lived through that era, the Gen X's, right? That were in kind of this world that it was crazy. There were problems. You didn't know, but there was no clear roadmap where you were going, but you weren't staying complacent. You sat there and you just kept building and moving and, and uh, anyway, so did that for seven years. It ended up taking off. And uh, we partnered with Amazon to some extent on America Online, and it became a billion dollars in revenue under um, my little group that I was running. And then uh, I decided to take a break. I wanted to be a mom. I, um, my husband was at a company that also got acquired by America Online called Netscape. And oh um, yeah, and, th- and that's when I thought, I, I definitely don't want to retire. I want to do something, but I want to also be a mom. And I wanted to take yeah. a break. And I mean, this is something I talk about a lot that it, I had more people telling me advice, like don't take too much time off. Um, you know, why would you get off, you know, the train now? I mean, it, just all these things. And I, I don't, I just, really wanted to have some time to sort of do these other things. I also didn't want to be defined just by being a tech executive. I loved being in tech, but I also felt like I needed time to think and try and figure out what my next step was. And during that time, I was trying to figure out some health issues. I had gained a bunch of weight over the course of my pregnancies, and I had developed terrible adult acne that I didn't even have as, you know, a teenager. And I thought, mm-hmm. what the heck, you know, what's going on? And my energy levels were low and I knew that I was off. I just couldn't figure it out exactly what was going on. And that's when I started dieting for the first time in my life. And I thought, there's all these diets. It's everyone's telling me to look at what I'm eating and work out. I was doing all of that and nothing was working. And then one day I looked down at my diet soda, um, diet Coke in particular, and saw just a lot of confusion. And I thought that I, when I started drinking diet soda back when I was in high school, I remember my mom was a tab drinker and I, of course, oh wouldn't gosh. drink what my mom was yeah. drinking. Yes. No. 
Right. And I said, so this new thing came out that was Diet Coke. And I thought, oh, my gosh, it's better for me than regular soda. And anyway, that was sort of the the beginnings of how Hint started, because I had thought the diet meant health. And when when my curiosity kicked into gear, a lot of sort of the the tools and the thinking, critical thinking that I had learned Mm -hmm. working in tech of okay, we might not have it solved right now, but let's keep adding on. Let's keep talking about it. Let's keep moving. Suddenly, like that was already set in play in my brain and I didn't realize what I was doing and how I was thinking about starting a new company. I never even said, let me go be an entrepreneur. Instead, I I thought, how is it that a product that calls itself diet when I give it up and I start drinking plain water and for no other reason than to just get it to taste better, I started slicing up fruit and threw it in the water. Mm-hmm. I thought, what, how is that better? How, I mean, obviously there's all these crazy ingredients in diet soda, but it was bigger than that, that I, I thought there's, there's so many people, not just me, that have been fooled by this word diet. Mm-hmm. There's a sea of healthy perception products sitting on the, the grocery store shelves versus healthy reality. And if I could actually bring a product to market that shifted this, that could help a lot of people actually gain their health back, then I'd be done, right? I'd be really, really happy and proud, not only as a you know, entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a business leader, but also as a parent, that I yeah. thought that I would be that person that would bring it forward. But little did I know what I was going up against. And, you know, I still was kind of out there interviewing for tech roles and things like that. Because, again, sometimes I think and another thing I, I talk about in, in the book is that when when you think too hard about what you're going to go do, right? And you're, you're going to go be an entrepreneur. You're going to go start a company, whatever it is. Then you never get started, right? Yeah. Instead, you just go and figure out what is the problem? Do I have an idea to solve the problem and hit the gas? I, I'm jumping up and down because, and we're gonna. I'm gonna talk a little bit about your book here in just a second because I told you, like, I, I read Kara's book in literally two days, and part of it was because it was such an easy read, but part of it's because it's so relatable and it has so many pieces in there, nuggets about the truth about entrepreneurship. I mean, I agree with you. I, when I was growing up, there wasn't really classes. I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. I'm an educator, and I thought I would be in the classroom for teaching for however long it was, you know, and I, when I think about your story, I have such a, I can connect in so many ways because I can remember when I decided to start a business and I'm putting quotation marks around it. I was like, okay, what, what do you do with this? Like, is there a thing? What do you, how do you start an LLC? Like, what is an LLC? You know, I remember Googling or binging at the time or using Yahoo to figure out like, what is this? And I felt like, it's almost, you didn't know what you didn't know, right? So starting this business, I mean, the courage, and then I I think almost not knowing was to your benefit in terms of not knowing what you were going up against, because why not? Yeah. 
No, that's absolutely right. And that's the thing that I found that I would, some days I would take one step forward and I would take two steps back, right? Mm -hmm. I would, you know, go try and do those Google searches and it wouldn't work out, but then I would figure out something else. And then I'm like, oh, well, that's really interesting. And, and again, something else that I talk about entrepreneurism is that, you know, you can definitely take a lot of your f- former experience and and connect. You know, the dots eventually connect, as Steve Jobs so famously talked about. But uh, but that doesn't mean that at times it isn't lonely. That you don't yes. feel like, oh my God, why am I doing this yes. to myself, right? And meanwhile, I had four kids under the age of six at the time. I was not the profile of this entrepreneur, but I but my curiosity really led me down this lane and guided by this mission. Again, 16 years ago, people weren't talking about mission-based entrepreneurism. No. And and when I saw that I could actually help a lot of people, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I was also looking at, do I actually go into the nonprofit world? And I really appreciated the nonprofit world. I actually had way too many interests. So it was, I mean, that was I was trying to decide, okay, now what nonprofit? And instead, what I found was that just by doing what I was doing every day and what I was so curious about, that I could actually help a lot of people as well. And mm-hmm. so it ends up that, you know, that's called a mission-based yep. entrepreneurial company. But really- again, there was no term for it back then. So when I talk to people now and typically college students about, oh, I want to be a mission-based entrepreneur, but they don't have an idea. They don't have, they don't know the direction that they're going to go in. I'm like, oftentimes the first step is actually to find some other entrepreneur that actually is doing something that you think is really interesting and jump on and support their mission. And that's how you're going to learn about how you ultimately will develop your own thing if that's what you choose to do. Yeah, I like what you said. There's two things that I thought were really imperative just in what you just mentioned. One was the curiosity. And that's something that, that is throughout your entire book. You mention it over and over again about your curiosity and asking the questions why. There were several parts in the book. And um, just to make that turn right now, Kara has written a book called Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And it is out on the market now, came out in November of this past year. And she talks about her journey becoming an accidental entrepreneur and building the company of Hint and taking her experience from what she learned in her career. And the other piece that I think is really important for people to know about you, Kara, and this is something that I think is so valuable, is that you kept pushing yourself outside the box. And you even mentioned in the book that you've done that with your employees, where you feel like they may hit a certain level and then you're like, maybe you should hire somebody to replace you. Mm-hmm. And you had this conversation and you mentioned, and then the person was like, huh? Took them just a second to figure that piece out. But what I love about what you've done is that you kept pushing to find other places where your curiosity could still be explored and you could find answers to questions and you could solve a problem. That's mm-hmm. often where I hear kids say, oh, I want to start my own business or I want to do this. Cause I also speak a lot with the youth and I always say, well, you've got to have a why, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to solve a problem. And if you can't solve a problem, then it's hard to move any mission forward, right? Because part of any it's of the true. work that we're doing needs to, you know, needs to serve people or help people in some way. So when you think about, when you wrote the book, why did you write the book? I mean, we, 
hint, this is, I also want to say this because uh, as I continue to fangirl, but the other piece is that what I also admired about how you have taken this journey is that when you saw a failure, you turned that around to figure out how you could learn from it. And the other, this is something that stuck with me. And I've told this story, I think now a hundred times since I finished reading the book. When we hit the crash in 2008 mm -hmm. and Whole Food asked you to do a buy one, get one free, you said no. Mm -hmm. That has stuck with me, Kara, because you, you um, protected your brand. And I'll mm -hmm. let you talk a little bit about that. But that to me is being undaunted by, mm -hmm. by saying, no, I'm not going to give in to everything else that's around me and I'm going to stick with my gut and know my brand and my mission. But tell me a little bit about the book and how that yeah. came to be and why is it called Overcoming Doubts and Doubters? Well, so many things there. I mean, first of all, that, that chapter in particular, I think is one, it's a reminder to people that, you know, you're going to, you're going to hear, especially when you enter into a new industry, you automatically think that you're going to, uh, you're open to learning, right? You're open to exploring the way that business is done. Um, and maybe this is true in a new company, right? But I think we often forget about the fact that we actually, you know, some fundamental things, including whether or not a uh business decision is the right decision uh, for you mm. because if everyone is doing it and that's what was happening in 2008, 2009, I mean, the financial crisis was hitting, people were getting very, very nervous. Um, and in this case, we had a major retailer who was saying to us, unless you actually give us product, then you will not remain in the store. And that didn't seem like a very good business decision for us. Obviously, for them, it seemed like a great business decision, getting free product and making money off of that product. And then they would be successful, but they were not at all interested on whether or not that was actually going to be a good decision for us. And so mm -hmm. we said no. The reality of what happened is that they never kicked us out of the retailer. They instead you know, threatened us. Um, threatened doing that, but then that never really happened. The people, uh, other brands that did do that are no longer in existence. And, and so I know, that just, is just crazy. Yeah. And we watched it happen and we thought it was crazy as well because we had the least amount of experience in the industry yeah. and we couldn't afford to. And what we realized instead is that if we held our ground and yeah. we went slower and we waited it out. We didn't stop. We looked for other opportunities. And we, so we weren't complacent. But I think it, it's just there's so many lessons in there. But I think more than anything, people feel like, you know, they've got to do everybody's doing it right. I mean, you're probably thinking about that idea that or, that or that situation that you've been in where you heard, oh, well, everybody's doing it. I've got to go do it. Yeah. And the reality is, is that your job is to put those stakes in the ground and figure out what's best for your business and figure out what's best for you. So that was that example. But you also talked about um, one of the things that I talk about in the book about my team and how I'm pushing my team to always be learning. I mean, it's not just... Uh, 
teaching the team to hire their replacement, but instead actually teaching, teaching our team. And this goes for people everywhere that if you are tasked with hiring people for your team or that work directly, you know, for you, you want to continue learning from them because at some point it becomes boring to have, to always be teaching, right? And it's not, and, and I think about that a lot from a mentorship and management standpoint, if that's what you're doing every day, it's great, right? But you have to be able to learn from that other party too. And so, and so I always encourage people, people will say to me, even outside of business, how do I find a mentor? And I, you know, always tell them, figure out what do you offer? I mean, do you offer the ability to, let's say you're a Gen Zer today, and obviously you've grown up around digital. Is there something around digital that you know that you believe you might be able to bring into the workplace and teach people? Sure, maybe you're not mm -hmm. familiar with how to build a marketing plan or do whatever a task is within a company, but maybe you've been able to kind of think about these other things that are passion projects really easy for you that you could bring in, that you could teach that, that your boss or teach the group or whatever that keeps people engaged. And I think that, that that's what I always encourage people to do is when you're looking at hiring people, hire people that might want to do the things that you don't want to do but in addition, hire people who know something that you don't know, because that's going to be the key thing yep. that is going to help you to, you know, not only build your business, but build your engagement. I like that a lot. I like the, the piece that you mentioned about what can you bring to the table that maybe somebody else doesn't know, you know, and I... I can so appreciate that because I am in the tech world and I am very tech savvy, but there are so many things that the younger generation understands so much better than I did. I mean, I didn't get an email address until I was in college, you know? I mean, there are parts about social media that I just can't seem to get through this old noggin of mine that, you know, how did that work or why? And I think that's so imperative because I learned so much from them or being and being open to learning more about things that maybe are not as a natural fit for me, but are for them. And, but I can offer other pieces. And I like that you said that being able to, and, and learn from one another. And the other thing really, that you bring uh, to that, that you don't even think about until you're actually doing it is that you, you bring people up, right? Because when people can yeah. actually be having a dialogue with you, I mean, it, I've always heard this even about parenting that, that, you know, Continue to have a dialogue with your own kids. I learn from my kids every single day. Oh my right? God. I, I mean, I'm constantly learning about things, not just social media and gaming. I mean, I'm actually sure. learning about lots of different things. I'm learning about trends. I'm learning about just life overall. And that's what makes it so interesting. And so I don't have this relationship where I'm constantly telling them, go do this, go do this. I do that. But in addition, I'm also learning. From, I say, what do you think? What do you? Because when you do that, you bring engagement. You bring that 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 it really is a back and forth. And I think it does a lot for me as a manager and leader too, and as a parent. So it yes. really does all. It's really the same thing. It's just different environments. 
bringing voice is letting everyone have a voice and an opinion and a, and a conversation. And I, I like what you said too. I mean, there are many days when I tell my children, <laughs> yes, we are going to do these. Mine are, mine are nine and almost seven. And, but I have to say, I learned so much from them. We, at dinner, I often have them, you know, tell me their peak of the day or something that they've learned. And it's so in, it's so inviting and exciting and interesting for them to tell me stories about what they learned and how, from their perspective, because I think about it very differently. So I agree with you. It's, it's very, um, I love listening to their stories. It just, you know, such just brightens your day and they enjoy having the voice to be able to say, this is what I did. And, or I'll, you know, in, in, during dinner, well, I always give them a choice one night a week. You know, what is it you all would like to have for dinner? And then they help prepare it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, frankly, I think that that's how the Gen Z generation has been learning as well in school. Like gone are the days when I was in school, you had lectures, right? And it right. was the teacher saying, here it is. And here's the exam. Today, what we see in public schools and private schools is a lot more back and forth. And, you know, that what basically, what do you, how would you bring this into your own life? And how is, um, what do you bring to the table? That is all about people wanting a dialogue and wanting to learn. And that comes into the workplace as well. And frankly, when you're dealing with buyers as well, in our case, or the other side of the table of sales, it's the same thing. I'm constantly thinking about how, what are they trying to achieve? And when I cannot figure out what they are trying to achieve, or I think that it's too one-sided, I'm willing to say that, right? And, I, and again, I always you know, say, it's not that I don't like you, it's not that I don't, right? All of these things. Oh, yeah. I just am really struggling to understand how that plays, how is that a benefit for me? And, you know, and, and, and again, if you cannot figure that out after you've tried to ask the right questions, um, you know, sit at the table, really get dialogue, then you need to be bold and brave enough to say, we can't do that. And so many people will not do that. They will get enamored by brands or, uh, or yes. authority figures, what, whatever it is, and um, more experience, right? What, whatever it is, you have to be able to think for yourself. And I think that so often it is lost. Oh my gosh, just yes, yes and yes, because... I will say that I've struggled with that myself, you know, and being able, learning the word no, mm -hmm. and being able to say no, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't sit well with me, my brand, or, or or my own values. That's so important. I like what you said that, and 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 stepping back, and even though, <laughs> this is one thing I've been trying to do a lot is I'm trying to stop and take a breath. I, I'm mostly a yes person. I always want to do, I, I like to say yes and, and open the doors and have conversations. But there are moments, sometimes you get that little tingle in your gut where it's like, mm -mm, that, that doesn't feel right. And that's not, all right. So I usually have to stop and give myself like a, a five second breath before I, before I make an answer because then I compose myself in a much better <laughs> manner because I can often blabber or be like, well, no, no, no. 
Yeah, uh, I'm growing. I'm growing into that. I'm growing into that, which, which brings me to the the piece about you. You named the book Undaunted: Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. And sometimes people will say that entrepreneurs are fearless and they're risk takers, and they, you know, that type of there's this type of personality that's always you know is an entrepreneur at heart or or whatnot. But you talk a lot about your doubts and your fears, which. Oh, it's so refreshing because that is often what I, we all have a little bit of a fear, right? Or this doubt in our own selves. But you talk a lot about that. So tell me a little bit about how that makes you different, how how that really is, what entrepreneurs are doing, even if we don't say it out loud. Well, I think that first of all, whenever you're doing anything new, right, and you feel uh, you feel nervous, right? You feel jittery and you're, you're sitting there. You're, that little voice in your head is, is uh, maybe one m- minute they're saying, yeah, we can do it. And then the next minute you're like, oh, what if it doesn't work out? What am I going to look like? Uh, you know, I don't want to fail at it. I don't want it. All of these reasons, right? And then coupled with, I always say that that family and friends are the worst because they don't want you to take any risks because oh they don't God. want to see you sad. They don't want to see you challenged in any way. And so they'll throw in things like, why would you do that? And you were really successful before. Why? I mean, why would you do this now? I mean, all of these things. And so it's another point that I like to make with people is that you have to make this decision for yourself because nobody's going through your own journey. If you're sitting in a position where, for example, you're not learning anymore and you, you feel like you need to go and challenge yourself in some way, maybe it's moving from tech into the beverage industry where you know nothing about (laughs) it, right? As crazy as it may sound to other people, for me, it was where my curiosity was around this health issue that I had solved and coupled with, I felt like I could help a lot of people in some way. And so that was what my story was. But I think that Again, when you find these people that are experts, when you find these people that maybe have lots of experience, in my case, it was a, a, about a year in, I was still having doubts and fears about whether or not this was going to be successful. And I was really hitting a wall. I, Like I said earlier, you take one step forward and four steps back. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was my day. And I was tired. I was really pretty frustrated. And that's when I was set up with this gentleman who was very senior at Coca-Cola and a friend knew him and said, you know, maybe he can distribute your product or help you figure out how to produce an unsweetened flavored water. And I had done all my Google searches, nothing was working out. And that's when we hopped on the phone. It was, he was nice enough to get on the phone with me and about 15 minutes into the conversation, he uh, said something which really threw me. I had no uh, predictions that he would throw me. He said, throw me this much or that he would say this, but he said, sweetie, Americans love sweet. This product isn't going anywhere. And I thought, oh my gosh, he's calling me sweetie. I've never been called sweetie before. And, you know, kept thinking I shrank down because I thought, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like he's got so much experience. He's with a multi-billion dollar company. And here I am, this little speck and, you know, really feeling inadequate. And what I realized then is I I just listened to how he was describing 
what he felt the customer needed. And what he felt the customer needed was significantly different than what I felt the customer needed. And so he went on to say that this customer wants zero calories. They were at 10 calories at the time. Uh, and they want to really be drinking something that they believe is healthy. Nowhere in there did he actually say that this product is going to help them get healthier. And so the, the word health for me was the thing that I was really hanging on, that I felt that I knew that just drinking more water or a product like Hint would help someone get healthy. And I had heard from a year's worth of customers, we certainly weren't a billion dollar company, but I thought customers are telling me this, that they're getting healthy just by converting what they were drinking to water or, or a product like Hint. And so I thought, we're not really talking about the same thing. We have, we're on a different river. We have a different purpose. I don't even know that he had a mission, right? I, I did. And so I thought, why am I so why am I going to listen to a doubter like that who's not even talking about the same thing that I'm talking about? And so that was at the moment where I had such clarity, frankly, after that mm -hmm. conversation, because I didn't I really went in thinking that he was going to solve all my problems. Instead, he solved my problems in a different way to actually bring clarity to the fact that I needed to just keep going. And I needed to keep throwing the gas on. And my biggest problem was that I was ahead of the consumer, that the consumer yeah. didn't know yet about unsweetened yep. flavored water because there wasn't any competition out there. And I thought that is what I need to keep doing. I need to go find those customers. And that was the key thing that I thought I need to go ask my customers that I have right now, where, where do you hang out? Do you go to events? What else do you do? How else are you thinking about, you know, getting healthy if you have type 2 diabetes or if you have, uh, we had a number of patients, right, patients, uh, customers early on who were patients at uh, cancer centers where they were going through chemotherapy. And so we knew that there were these different audiences and segments that were doing different things, but they all wanted to get healthy. And I thought, again, I, here I had gone into a situation having my own doubts, wanting these other people to solve my problems where I ran into doubters. And then I thought, no, actually, I need to get back into the lane and just keep going. I'm just, I'm soaking everything in that you're saying because that clarity in what you just mentioned, I think not everybody would have sat on that phone call and thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. They may have turned and said, you know what, I'm going to give, you know, this is a time when mm -mm, this isn't going to work. I mean, this is a, this is a man that's been in beverage for so long, you know, he knows what he's talking about. And, but I like what you said that instead of it bringing, answering questions in one way, it brought clarity that you really knew what your mission is and how, what your, customer or where you were going or where you want it to go with your customer because you're exactly right. I also, and I, I say this because I am your customer because I am a water drinker, always have been. I don't like Diet Coke. Sodas give me a very strange film on my teeth and I'm not a big sweet person. So if you gave me a, a choice between a bag of potato chips and a cookie, 
or an ice cream, I'm going to choose the potato chips hands down. I mean, I have a more of that salty, but nothing has ever quenched my thirst like water. And so I have always been on this trek to find something, but I'll be honest with you, flavored water never did the trick for me because it was again too sweet. Mm -hmm. So you answering, and I put lemon and cucumber in my water too. So I completely can understand why listening to that gentleman gave you some clarity because I could imagine sitting there thinking, but I don't want sweets. I don't, I don't want the diet Cokes or the Cokes. Like I, that just isn't delightful to me. Yeah. And prior to Hint, we were the first unsweetened flavored water, still water. Yeah. We were carbonated versions of our product. Uh, but they, at the time, most of those had way too much sodium in it. They've come down. Some of them have zero sodium. But at the time, 16 years ago, no one was doing an unsweetened no. flavored water. And still to this day, I mean, we we really own the category and there are, you know, people who have done it. There's some private label products and, but there's a big gap between where we sit. We are definitely hands down the largest one. But one thing that I say that really applies to whatever category, whatever industry you go into is that what I didn't realize until about a couple of months into starting Hint was that I knew I was starting a new product and launching a new product, starting a new company but I didn't realize that I was launching a new category in an industry, which was unsweetened flavored water. And it just takes time. And so if yes. you, let's say you have an idea and you think, gosh, no one is doing this in the market. What I share with entrepreneurs is that's great. That's incredible. But here's the thing. If you, if, if you are head of the consumer, you have to wait for the consumer to catch up. If you are reliant on stores putting mm. your product on the shelf, you have to wait for those buyers to catch up, to understand yeah. the product is actually needed. And, and you can't always buy your way in to do that. You can't always go and even if you had the money, go put up a bunch of billboards because the consumer needs to experience it. They need to see it show up in, in places, in our case, like events that they already were on board with going to. And so that's really where we got the most traction. We would show up at events where we found out our consumers were going to. So consumers would tell us, for example, about breast cancer. We started going out to breast cancer walks and finding out how do we get involved in your walk? Do you need water for your events? We would love to be a part of your event. And having a product like water where all these events need water that really, you know, not only benefited the other side of the table, but also us and from the brand association was showing up at those events though, was huge because the consumer who is thinking about breast cancer is then going to this event. They're trying our product and then maybe their friend is saying, Oh yeah, I was, going to the hospital and some of the nurses were telling me about this product mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. really, and it tastes really great. So then all of a sudden you get the swell and it doesn't cost money to do yeah. that. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah. And so that kind of stuff allowed us to also have really a pull strategy going into stores. Cause then the customers, we activated those customers to go and we said, go and tell your stores to order our product. 
go and tell your friends. And they did. And so that kind of stuff, again, we didn't know what we were doing when we were in it, but it, it was game changing. But you knew, because even from your experience in the past, even the work that you did at AOL and other companies, that that customer buy-in is tremendous. And, and it's that, you know, as much as there's other pieces out there, it's still about the relationship. And it's about that grassroots piece of someone telling, it's just like, oh, someone says, oh, this is great. You're more likely to go out and try it than if they were not. And what I like about what you said was that it sort of reminds me of like the tortoise and the hare because you were way ahead of your time, but you stayed the course and you kept going and you kept showing up every day and kept saying, this is what hint is. This is what hint is. You know, as you keep telling your purpose and your story and your mission, then it becomes then all of a sudden there becomes to be a conversation around it. I, I loved all of the years that you spent in the Jeep delivering your water because I myself... Oh, that, Jeep that poor Grand Cherokee. How much <laughs> weight we put in that car. I mean, it just around. so much. I know, you know, um, in, a, in a similar fashion, and me growing my own businesses, I have had... Um, I do a lot of professional development and teaching, so I'm forever having something in the back of my car. And I myself had a Jeep. It was a Jeep Liberty and had it until my child, my second baby was almost two and it finally had to go to Jeep heaven. But I could have, I mean, just putting stuff and just showing up every day to, and I like the other piece of advice that you gave that I thought was really great is when you said um, a no is really a maybe. Yes. Yes. And it's, uh, I mean, obviously it's had very serious connotations over the year, over the years, particularly uh, for women. I mean, it's Uh not intended um, to, to be along those lines at all. But I think what, what I've realized throughout my life and my parents reminded me about this being the last of five kids that when I would hear my parents saying, maybe I thought, okay, well, that's not a no. So maybe I can keep going a little bit more. I just need to educate them more mm-hmm. on what my why is. And uh, yeah. And so I, I, I think about that a lot, even in building the business. It's that, you know, when a buyer is saying, they're not saying no, they're saying, huh, that's interesting. You know, they, they just need more education. That's not a failure. That is a, um, that's a maybe, right? And you have to figure out how to get it to a yes. I love that. I love that. And I, I can, <laughs> um, I used to do that with my parents too. And my children do it with me now. If I say my, my younger son in particular, are always like, well, you didn't say no, mommy. Exactly. You said maybe. So I'm going to come back. And I'm like, you know what? You little turkey, you are exactly right. I didn't. So before we wrap up, because I could, I could honestly just sit and talk for much longer, but to uh, honor our time together, can you tell me what do you mean when you say the word undaunted and what could that mean to somebody else? I think undaunted is, it's a very purposeful word, actually. It's, it's one where, you know, you wake up every day and actually look for opportunities where you feel a little bit uncomfortable. You know that it's a little scary doing something that you don't know and try and figure out how you can take those things on and, and, really achieve an undaunted thing, right? Where beginning at the, at the beginning, you knew nothing about something 
And then you decided to go out and satisfy your curiosity and go out and try. Um, but again, I think people think that opportunities are going to come to them. They tend to take the mm. easy route. And, and that is not ever how we grow as humans, as businesses, no. right? right? We have to go and start somewhere, plant that seed where you're going to go and do something that, uh, that takes you to a place where you are going to go learn. You are going to go challenge yourself in some way. And what my hope is in, in reading this book is that people recognize that it's not a linear trail, right? You've got to go and you've got to figure things out. And maybe you will learn a lot. Maybe, for example, you want to go be an entrepreneur. And then once you start trying it, you realize that it's an incredibly hard thing to be an entrepreneur and make progress and hear the no's all day long, not even the maybes, right? And you have to just figure out how you continue making that progress. But what did you learn about yourself along the way that was really important? And maybe stop at those places and figure out how do you accept those things or not accept those things and and go on a journey. Again, you're going to learn things about yourself along the way, even when you put a stake in the ground to say, I'm going to go and try and achieve, learn more about this and achieve the goals every single time when I'm living undaunted, that's when I go and learn something new. So I encourage everybody to go out and really do that. I don't really need to say anything else. That's the action item, everybody, is to go out and learn want something new. When we end our show every week here, I often give the audience an action item to think about. It's Because I also believe, uh, believe in what you say. It's one step at a time, one action at a time. You're not going to eat the whole pie at one point. I mean, at one time. You're going to have to take your time. So as Kara said, to to do something undaunted, think about going and doing one action item, I mean, or one new thing that could open the door to something else. But one step at a time, it's amazing what those building blocks can actually do and, and provide change and opportunity. Kara, thank you so much for your time, for being open to speaking to me. Um, it's really an honor and I appreciate all that you've done. I appreciate what you're doing for women as entrepreneurs, for women in the space of finding and owning and running companies. And I aspire that um, I will be at your level at, uh, at some point in my, my entrepreneurial career. So thank you so much for your time today. I, I really Thanks so much. Unbelievable. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope uh, you'll all reach out to me on social at Kara Golden with an I. And hopefully you'll get a chance to read the book too. Yes, everyone. I will put that out. Uh, the book is on Amazon and also on Kara's website. That will be on our show notes and follow up. And like she said, reach out to her on social media. She's on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook at Kara Golden. And you can also find Undaunted. If you just Google Undaunted, she pops up as like one of the first two people that you'll see there. So thank you so much, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Coding the Future. And uh, thank you again, Kara. Thank you. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology 
and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then.